This is a 20 by 70 podcast extra. If you're someone who, like us at the Committee of 70, expects more from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C., then subscribe to the 20 by 70 podcast on the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you go to binge great audio. Hello from Studio C70 at the Committee of 70. I'm Patrick Christmas. We are live. Election day is next month. Huge primary for the city of Philadelphia. Judicial offices on the ballot, city offices on the ballot, mayor, city council, row offices. Uh, elections are a big deal, of course, for those of us at 70 and across the city. Uh, and elections are like job interviews. The, the uh, candidates are like the job applicants, the voters, like the hiring committee. We have one of those job applicants with us today, running yes. for city council, Fareed Abdullah. Uh, yes. Welcome. Thank you for having Thanks me. Thanks for coming Thank by. Yes. So we only have 15 minutes today. Mm -hmm. um, let's, let's jump right into it. Okay. Why are you running for city council? I am running for city council uh, because I want to make sure that the common man and the common woman uh, in the city of Philadelphia, that they have a voice. Uh, too often we have uh, people who live in low income uh, areas and they are not being able to be heard and they need representation uh, to, to get their point across, to just have the seat at the table. And I believe that I am the person uh, will, that will be able to navigate uh, the, the political process and also uh, educate the, the common people on the political process. Gotcha. So, so you tell us a little bit about your, your background, your you know work uh, you know work career, your, your civic and community experience, and, and how is that going to translate into being a city council? Um, member? Yeah, so this isn't my first uh, time in politics. Mm -hmm. I actually started my political career in Atlantic City, mm -hmm. uh, New Jersey, and uh, I was I ran for mayor two years ago mm -hmm. in Atlantic City. I ran for council at large, uh, and I, I started uh, just by being a mentor, uh, going around just working with. Uh, youth and working with people, helping people get jobs. And I had a lot of experience with working with uh, individuals who were already in position. So I would be that liaison uh, through from the community and those who were in position to get people jobs and people housing placement mm -hmm. and also just uh, getting programs started. Uh, so, you know, when I came back to Philadelphia, uh, I looked at all of the issues that, that we're, we're facing in this city. And I said, I had to make sure that I put everything that I've learned throughout my political process back mm -hmm. into into the field of politics. Mm -hmm. So you're no stranger to to you know local politics here. I mean here here at 70 we've been around for a long time trying to work to open up the, the political process and make it more accessible and transparent. Mm -hmm. You know as far as city hall goes, I, I guess I use that term pretty generically city yes. hall between mayor and city council even you know our, our, our ward system here in Philadelphia. You know what do you think should be working better in our local politics? Wow where big can question. I, start? <laughs> I mean it's so many things. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, first and foremost a lot of people don't understand, as I was uh, saying, mm -hmm. the, the political process. Mm -hmm. They don't know what a ward leader does. They don't know what committee people do. They don't know council members do. They don't even know the uh, the job description of a mayor. Mm -hmm. And I feel that uh, because there's a lack of, of transparency uh, throughout this city and just politics locally, you have uh, a lack thereof and people that don't even want to come out and participate mm -hmm. because they don't uh, get the that feel for who they are supporting. So mm -hmm. what I see with the the, the war leaders or people who uh, may live in communities, uh, they go throughout the communities and say who people should vote for. Mm -hmm. And you know, well, this is who we support. You support you support me, so I support them. So mm -hmm. now I need you support to support them. Mm -hmm. And there's a lack of transparency, and people don't even know why they're voting for people. Mm -hmm. And this is why you have millennials or people who are registered to vote that don't come out and vote 
that say, you know what, I'm not voting for anyone because I don't even understand the process. Mm -hmm. So I see that as a problem. And I see this is why this election is being very quiet, mm -hmm. because if you can keep certain individuals away from from uh, learning who they're voting for, mm -hmm. then you can continue to have the same games that are being played year in and year out. Mm -hmm. And, and as far as you know, city council as, as mm -hmm. our local legislature goes, um, you know, what what reforms do you think would be would be helpful around that around that particular body? I mean, I don't, I'll point out that um, with with regard to both uh, you know the legislature and the and the executive branch, Philadelphia has actually made a huge leap forward over the past fifteen years mm -hmm. in, its, in, in its ethics and campaign finance rules. Um, but should those be sharpened up further and strengthened further, or there, or, or other 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 reforms that we should be talking about? Uh, so as it relates to uh, city council, council in particular, yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. I think that it needs to be an open election. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't believe that the Democratic Party should endorse anyone because we're all Democrats. Mm -hmm. And when you endorse certain candidates, mm -hmm. it kind of singles out the rest of the candidates who are running mm -hmm. as Democrats and make it seem like, well, this is the Democratic slate. I believe that everyone should should fight you know, to show people why they are the better candidate. And then in the general election, that's when you put your team together because mm -hmm. there will be people who are endorsed by the Democratic uh, uh, slate mm -hmm. that will not win. Mm -hmm. And now you have an issue because some people may feel slighted because they didn't get the support from the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. And I just believe that that needs to change. So, so you know, city committee, city committee, for example, shouldn't be you know putting out citywide endorsements. What about you know individual wards or, or other uh, other other groups within within the city? Should should they be talking with the voters and with committee people to put together a list of endorsements for their for their particular community? That's a that's a great question. Uh, I think that that is fine because. Mm -hmm. When you have people who have different organizations mm -hmm. and, you know, they feel like, well, these mm -hmm. are the individuals that came and supported, you know, what we're doing mm -hmm. and they understand our issues. I believe that that is OK. But when it comes to the Democratic Party, mm -hmm. which they were supposed to stay out of this race and mm -hmm. I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the organizations, if people come to your your meeting or, mm -hmm. you know, some of your forms, then you have a right to endorse those group of people. But as far as the Democratic Party, we all are Democrats. So until this, the primary is over, I think that the Democratic Party yeah. should stay out. So you're getting more at the, you know, at, at the endorsements that city committee puts together and that are pushed down through the yeah. wards without any actual you know, open, small, deep yeah. democratic discussion actually in those wards amongst the committee people. Yes. Say it again. So like when, you know, when a ward takes on the endorsements of the city committee mm -hmm. without giving the committee people in that particular ward a uh, say. So I guess that's where, that's maybe where Absolutely. the issue is. That is a big time issue because mm -hmm. if the, 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 uh, the wards are mm -hmm. supported by the Democratic Party, mm -hmm. then it's automatically like, okay, well, this is who the party he's going with, this mm -hmm. is who we're going with. Mm -hmm. And I think that that does a disservice because mm -hmm. a lot of people may not even get the opportunity to be heard. Mm -hmm. Their platform may not, you know, have the, the opportunity to resonate throughout the, mm -hmm. the rest of the city because it's like, these are the people that we are mm -hmm. endorsing. These are the individuals that we're going to invite to our meetings. Yeah. And that just happened. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and with, with regard to, to, you know, the city council, so, you know, 70 just put out a, a platform uh, Philadelphia Resolution 1 PR1 uh, last week to just kind of spur some dis discussion mm -hmm. debate around maybe some of the things we should be changing around here. Um, it includes things like uh, redistricting. You know, right now city council draws their own districts. Maybe mm -hmm. we should have citizens draw those yes. instead of instead of the, ele the electeds. Um, term limits are in there. There's there's a note about you know something needs to change around council prerogative. Yes. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts around around those issues? So when it comes to term limits, I am mm -hmm. a strong advocate uh, mm -hmm. that we only need two terms. That's it. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in three terms, mm -hmm. you know, staying in office mm -hmm. forever because mm -hmm. eventually you start to become stagnant in mm -hmm. your thought process. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, if you're, you know, in this thing to really help mm -hmm. to make change, mm -hmm. once you get to that level, 
remove yourself or go for another position, mm -hmm. but continuing to run for the same position over and over and over again, mm -hmm. it, it starts to, to leave the notion that when I am done being the boss, mm -hmm. then I will remove myself. But then you start to disenfranchise other people who may want to have that opportunity, mm -hmm. but because you still hold the power, mm -hmm. it takes away from you know, those people who are saying, look, I want a chance to show what I can do. Mm -hmm. It takes that away from them. So I believe that we do need term limits. And I said two, two, two eight, term limits, so that's, that's eight, eight years, years yeah. eight years. You know, same thing with the mayor. Mm -hmm. The mayor has mm -hmm. two terms. Council should have two terms as well. Mm -hmm. But even when it comes to councilmatic prerogative, I am in favor of councilmatic prerogative mm -hmm. as long as the council person is doing right for the constituents of their mm -hmm. district. Mm -hmm. and, and it seems like, you know, so councilmatic prerogative has, has gotten kind of a shocking amount of attention. Uh, yes. And, and not, not just from the press, but from, from advocates and act activists, mm -hmm. uh, you know, de developers just this past year. You know, you, if, there, we, if we can legislate some changes around that particular practice, right? Because yes. it's not, it's, it's, it's a, um, uh, it, well, it gets, it's, it gets referred to often as an, as an unwritten tradition. Yes. You know, what, what could we legislate or, or rules we could put in place around it to, to make it, uh, uh, you know, work better and, and, and to guard against some of the bad behavior we've yes. seen, isolated though it may be. I believe that uh, with the, when it pertains to the district uh, council member having this prerogative, I mm -hmm. believe that uh, the, the community needs to have say so, mm -hmm. um, especially the community that the district council is serving, mm -hmm. uh, create some type of committees uh, before something gets passed. Mm -hmm. It needs to go down the chain of command and allow certain things mm -hmm. to, to translate mm -hmm. uh, so that the residents, the common people can understand exactly why this development is coming mm -hmm. into this district mm -hmm. before it is you know, approved by the district, I'm sorry, by the district council. Mm -hmm. I believe that it needs to have protocol, allow the committee to, to, to say something to those that are not part of the committee, which could be the residents and say, mm -hmm. listen, what do you guys want to see? I feel too often that elected officials, they take all of the credit, but then they don't want to take the blame mm -hmm. when certain things go wrong. Mm -hmm. So if you allow everyone to be included, mm -hmm. then we can make decisions that's going to service the community best. So there's, uh, there's district council members, they should continue to have a role in these land use decisions, but there mm -hmm. needs to be a very Absolutely. clear rules as to how, the, how that role yeah. Yes. is carried out. Yes, yes. I, uh, I definitely agree that they mm -hmm. still should have councilmatic prerogative, mm -hmm. but there needs to be uh, guidelines in place mm -hmm. so that it can be fair for everyone. Mm -hmm. Got it. So uh, I'll just, I'll throw one more out there that was, mm -hmm. you know, part of our, our, our platform. So the, the redistricting process, you know, there's, there's been a whole lot of uh, uh, advocacy around redistricting form at the state level in Harrisburg for mm -hmm. our state legislative and our congressional boundaries. Here in Philadelphia, uh, the charter says that city council, uh, they draw their own districts and they have a, a certain amount of time to do it. After six months, they, they don't get their, uh, they go without their, their paychecks. Uh, the mayor does have to sign, uh, uh, sign off on those, uh, on those mm -hmm. maps through, through, the, through the regular kind of legislative process. You know, what do you think might, uh, might we want to consider changing around, around that? Is it okay for council to draw, draw their own districts? Are there other things around public engagement and transparency that we should be putting into effect? I feel that as a, a council member, uh, someone who is in a leadership position, mm -hmm. I don't think that you should have complete control over everything. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you're here to service the people, you have to make sure that you allow the, the community to, to have insight to everything that you're doing. So if you're redistricting because of, say that the community is changing mm -hmm. uh, and you're like, okay, well, I need to win again. So let me do this or let mm -hmm. me do that. Mm -hmm. I believe once again, it does mm -hmm. a disservice because when there's new people moving into your, your district, you wanna be able to reach them as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I do believe that 
when it comes to that, you need to still allow the community to have um, insight into everything that you're doing because mm -hmm. you're elected to mm -hmm. serve and mm -hmm. you're hired by the people. Mm -hmm. So I look forward to those challenges, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to working with people that I, I may not see every every day, the diversity. And that's what leaders, they have to learn how to adapt mm -hmm. to change yeah. and not change because the change is coming within their community. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have we have a few more minutes left. Mm -hmm. you, let me throw uh, this this kind of big question at you. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're part of the next city council. Like, yes. what is a big thing that you want to get done? Wow. Uh, in, so in that, in that first so education reform. Okay. Uh, me and you both talked about being mm -hmm. educators. Mm -hmm. uh, me teaching in the inner city, uh, seeing that children come to school mm -hmm. with with trauma issues uh, mm -hmm. every day. You know, it, the behaviors, mm -hmm. not learning because of the things that they're going through in their environment or maybe at home. Uh, what I want to do is. Uh, try to put into curriculum life skills and whereas though teachers can uh, add that into instructions mm -hmm. where kids can learn how to talk about the things that they're facing on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. so that they can be excited about learning and not feel slighted because they just saw someone get shot or mm -hmm. you know they they didn't eat and things like that the life skills need to needs to definitely be added into the schools for these kids that we're dealing with mm -hmm. and then also quickly the criminal justice uh, mm -hmm. reform I hear a lot of people talking about it mm -hmm. on how they're going to change it but on a local level mm -hmm. what I want to see happen is have a court mandated where juveniles uh, depending on what they're convicted of that they are placed into programs mm -hmm. where they can go and do community service mm -hmm. go outside of their communities mm -hmm. or their neighborhoods and see the city as it is you have people young people that live in North Philadelphia has never been to West Philadelphia they don't even know how close it is so I want to have them doing community service learning about one another mm -hmm. and and also getting uh, job training and education about life or education about their city mm -hmm. so that they won't go back mm -hmm. and or, or, or recommit a crime. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we're, we're, we're lacking right there. Mm -hmm. Around, you know, uh, job uh, job training in particular. Mm -hmm. So, you know, cause with, as far as the curriculum goes, I guess, you know, council uh, maybe could have a, a kind of a political or public, yes. public voice on that. Yes. And I, you know, in the past, council has passed resolutions, you know, urging the school system to use a certain mm -hmm. textbook or, or, or another. Um, around jo job training, preparing our young people to, yes. you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, have, 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 a, have a, Absolutely. A, a job that pays. Yes. Uh, you know, what, what can council do there? Um, well, we can also advocate, whereas, you know, we're having financial literacy mm -hmm. uh, for, for students that they're learning how to to budget money or to, mm -hmm. to save money or what to do once they're out of school, you know, preparing them to get jobs for the summer. Mm -hmm. I believe the council can create uh, uh, hubs where organizations that are already active in the city, that they are already prepared resourcefully that they can start hiring young people that as soon as school is out, you automatically get a job. We already are going into the schools and not waiting for the kids to come to us, but we're going mm -hmm. to the schools and saying, listen, we have this amount of jobs. We need to get everyone prepared. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we do, we do a disservice when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. All righty. Well, that, uh, that was just about it. We, that, <laughs> I know that was quick. That we, was co quick. we covered, covered a lot of ground in that time. <laughs> Absolutely. Farid Abdullah, thank, thank you, you so much for thank coming on. Thank you very much. Uh, primary you. day, May 21, uh, big, big election. Uh, there are a ton of candidates and offices yes. on the ballot, and, and including Fareed. Yes. Um, use uh, 70's nonpartisan voter guide, ballot.70.org. You can also download our app. It's called the WeVote app, wherever down you download your apps at home. Yes. Um, uh, thank you to Thomas Gallon Harrison for providing the, the funding for this broadcast, and we'll see you on Election Day. Yes, and I'm All number right. 81 on the ballot. 81 on the thank ballot. You. All right. Good luck, Fareed. <laughs> thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. Hi, this is David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70 Philadelphia's 
longstanding advocate for better politics and better government here in the city and in Harrisburg. Primary election day coming up May 21st. A lot of candidates, a lot of offices, uh, going through what we think of as an extended series of job interviews. That's what this is about. Voters, uh, the hiring committee, if you will, getting to, to talk to uh, different candidates about their, their past, their present, and their future. And uh, we have uh, another city council at large candidate today, Erica Almiron. Erica, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me here, David. I appreciate All right. it. All right. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to spend about 15 minutes with Erica talking about her uh, past, uh, present, and, and future. So, Erica, let me start with this is the most basic question mm -hmm. uh, that has. Uh, kind of tripped up some folks even at the highest levels of national government because uh, mm -hmm. they, they don't seem to be able to deliver an authentic answer to this question. But why are you running for city council? I mean, I think that, you know, um, and I'll tell a little bit more about my story as a, as a Latina, as a woman mm -hmm. of color, as somebody who is the daughter of immigrants and who has been doing social justice work for the last 20 years. I feel like there are two things that are really important to me. One is about representation. I think it is about time that we have women of color who are leading government. I've seen you know, the ways that we have responded to the women at the federal level who have now been introduced and how that's changing the conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that is extremely important. I also think that for me, there is a moment in the history of this country where we need to take back the, the rhetoric and we need to take back the conversation. That's about loving people, believing in people. That's about doing the right thing that I'm not hearing at the federal level mm -hmm. and at the national level. And I've always believed and I've seen that Philadelphia can be a beacon and an example to the nation. And I've seen that in my work on immigrant rights work and I've seen my, that work on criminal justice issues. So I'm excited to get in and move the city in the direction that becomes the example for the nation to fight for so the this people. Is, uh... Philadelphia and particularly city council in Philadelphia leading by example. Completely. Yeah, and I've seen it. My work in immigrant rights when we've done to fight for a sanctuary city policy in 2014 when we were able to mobilize thousands of people to fight for the right things, mm -hmm. we became the most progressive sanctuary city in the country and our policy was replicated at 200 other municipalities across the country. Mm -hmm. I've seen it firsthand. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, city council is a legislative body. Uh, what you end up doing is considering and voting for or voting against particular ordinances that then are, go to the mayor's desk uh, and if approved become the law for uh, the city. So, so translate your, uh, your interests, sort of your big picture interests into the, what kind of legislation would you like to see moving through council that, that you would that you would always support or that which you would never support? Right. Specific pieces of legislation. So a lot of my work has been in fighting for communities of, who have been the most left out of the electoral process. Uh, that includes immigrants, people of color, poor people. So all of the policies that I would recommend would be in support of the people who need it the most, right? Um, my, my issues that I've been fighting on and talking about have been education, uh, criminal justice reforms, and housing. 
And I think the, the hot issue right now that I firmly believe we need to address is the tax, the tax abatement, the 10-year tax abatement. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a firm believer that if I have to pay my property taxes in the city, then I also believe that luxury developers should also be paying their property taxes in the city because that's the money that goes to our schools. Uh, it is fuel gentrification. So all of the policies that we need to think about are ending the 10-year tax abatement. How do we talk about rent control in our city? As it's gentrifying this fast, over 50% of the city is renters. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there are policies that we need to think about when it comes to how much more can we create sanctuary in the city? How do we talk about criminal justice reforms and, and in the budgeting process? reprioritize our spending. We should not be actually spending so much money on locking people up when our schools are this underfunded. Yeah. Uh, you, the last point you made, I, I, I saw in today's Inquirer, there was a, a new poll, uh, issues poll that the Inquirer uh, put out that said the number one issue on people's mind is, is crime. Mm -hmm. um, so I wonder how you respond to that, how that fits into your kind of a policy platform if that's what's on people's minds and if that's maybe you're hearing something different yeah what, do, what are we doing about that i mean i think there's a couple of things right crime to me i mean i grew up poor working class um i've had friends of mine when i was younger who got caught up in the drug wars and i think reasons people get involved in a lot of crime is because of poverty right and we haven't addressed poverty in this city I think if people felt like they had their human rights respected, if they had a roof over their head, if they had food on the table and they had a job that paid them at least $15 an hour, you would see crime rates just kind of plummet in the city. Mm. And then I also think that we have not done the work to think about alternatives to addressing violence um, and harm caused in our communities outside of incarceration. And that is why the country has so many people locked up because we think it's the solution and it hasn't been. If anything, it's become a way to just keep making money off of locking people up. So I would love to see more investment in restorative justice practices and abilities to address yeah. harm. Have you, uh, in your experience, because uh, you, you mentioned budgets, at the end of the day, again, city council and the mayor come together to spend depending on the account, somewhere between five, 10, $12 billion a year on Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. what, what specific policy proposals around criminal justice do you think uh, work and, mm -hmm. and, and deserve more funding and, and which should we be uh, you know, casting aside? I mean, a third of our budget is a public safety budget, right. right? I think we need to do away with low level policing and the broken window policing that we've seen be the fuel for mass incarceration in the city. So I would I would address, you know, what is policing doing in, mm -hmm. in this in the city of Philadelphia? And I would also think about um, we are we actually have a situation where if we end cash bail, we have less people that are sitting inside of our prisons because then people can actually be free while they're waiting trial. Mm -hmm. um, people shouldn't be locked up because they're poor. And so I think that, and then we should be investing in things like re-entry programs. Mm -hmm. How are we supporting people who are coming out? How are we investing in taking away people's old drug convictions? I mean, the, the concept that like, everybody's talking about legalizing marijuana, you know, I'm seeing it, the state's talking about it, but yet people are still sitting in jail for old convictions on marijuana charges. So why do we address the past as we move forward? Yeah. Well, as you know, we went through, uh, in hindsight, uh, kind of some unfortunate thinking, maybe uh, mid-90s, late-90s, uh, 
dealing with what some folks were calling super predators at the time, mm -hmm. the sense that ju juveniles were, were uh, con uh, committing an awful lot of crimes. We had to lock them up and pass mandatory minimums and so forth. And I suspect that's one source of uh, the um, folks that you're talking about. Completely, right yeah. completely. And how do we address having programs for young people? I've done youth organizing and youth development for the last 15 years. Young people are looking and are hungry to develop and learn. And how do we create more spaces for them like that? How do we get some of these guns off the streets? Especially, I think that there's a conversation to be had about gun safety and what is it that it looks like to really be having ways that just, not just anybody can access a gun. Right. You know, right. so let's talk about your experience, your 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 history, your your track record. What are the, you know, what's the short list, two three accomplishments that you're most proud of in your professional life that you think would translate well into your role as a city council person? Yeah, I mean, I would say I would start with one. I am the daughter of immigrants. I was born in South Philly. Um, I have a lived experience of growing up working class that just is a, not a professional, but a lived experience that people understand. When I go in, I know exactly what people are talking about when they want changes. My, my professional experience has been 20 years of social justice work. For the last eight years, I've been the executive director of Juntos, uh, immigrant rights organization in South Philadelphia. We were the leading force in fighting for the sanctuary city policy. I was at the head of building the coalition that fought for that policy, which Maria Quinones and uh, the current mayor, Kenny, were the ones who introduced some of that legislation on the floor for us. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very proud of where we are as a city on some of these policies that protect immigrants. I think there's more that we could do. Um, I'm also very proud of the fact that my work in education when I was at the Philadelphia Student Union led to the conversations of a costing out study and is now the base that created the conversation of how do we fully fund our schools mm -hmm. and how do we address the discrepancies at the state level. Yeah. What have you learned about uh, advocacy, uh, about uh, speaking out, organizing, building coalitions? Because uh, folks, it's not lost on anybody that when you're in a member of city council, if, if you've got an idea, you're going to need at least eight colleagues, if not uh, 11 colleagues, mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, to side with you uh, in order for that to become law. So yeah. uh, how would you translate your sense of advocacy and coalition building? I mean, I've been wildly successful in building coalition. Um, I have a lot of relationships across the city uh, with some of the most marginalized communities and impacted communities. That ability to build coalition is about patience and it's about demanding the right thing mm -hmm. um, and building long-term relationships. And I think that I can do that very effectively inside and also that I know that if we have a strong outside that's pushing for the right things, that at some point we're maybe on council having a conversation, but that the idea of co-governance is that the people on the outside are pushing us as well. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to think about a, a council person like myself who can bring the people in with them. And so that they're no longer an outside constituent, but they're a constituent on the inside. Yeah. From the outside, I'm curious what you think is, what's the most, when you think of an experience, um, the, some kind of a, a town hall, community organization, I mean, community meeting, some kind of a civic engagement experience with, with an elected official that you think yeah. went particularly well? 
because mm -hmm. uh, my observation is most of those don't go very well. Right, right. <laughs> There's a lot of heat and not uh, a whole lot of light, but mm -hmm. I'm just curious uh, because that's, again, if you're an elected official, you're trying to, as you said, sort of bring people in and mm -hmm. make sure that they're heard and so forth. So what do you think works well there? I mean, we had one this past summer uh, at Juntos uh, around the PARS campaign that we had, which was to get ICE out of our arrest database. Mm -hmm. um, and it was this amazing moment where Mayor Kenny actually came in to speak with immigrant leaders. Um, and so it was a bilingual event, which was one of the important things to create the space. It was led by community so that it, as opposed to like having a dynamic where the elected officials doing all the talking. Mm -hmm. It's actually the communities doing all of the talking and in the language that they're most comfortable in. Um, and I actually believe that it was in that moment where Mayor Kenny got to hear from community members on the ground about what their experiences were like around deportations, that it was the eye opener. Hmm. It was the moment that he made the decision. Um, you could see it on his face. He was moved. And that's what we need. We need more moments where elected officials are talking to community members. Right not where community members have to come into City Hall to talk to us. Yeah, yeah, good. So let me turn to uh, another set of issues. Uh, our organization, a lot of folks that we have talked to are concerned that uh, there's not enough transparency and accountability in, in City Council. Uh, we talk about, uh, a lot of folks have talked about councilmanic prerogative and uh, how often, not always, but often, the decisions made by between council people and local developers are hidden from view. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about transparency in council itself, that it's not always clear from the outside where bills are moving or how they're being amended, how council spends its own money. Uh, we talk about a whole set of things that seem to shut people out of the election process. We mm -hmm. don't allow independent voters to vote. Um, we, you know, the, your position on the ballot, as you probably know, uh, is hugely important I've and heard. it shouldn't be so. Mm -hmm. So just interested in your thoughts on those issues or if you've got other ideas about how to make sure that the, the process is, is open, accessible, accountable. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the last couple of years I've learned a lot about the budget process mm -hmm. and how difficult it is to one, understand it, two, how to insert yourself where you can actually get yourself on the record. Um, I think having a more open budgetary process is gonna be hugely important. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we should think about, I don't wanna, I didn't wanna, I don't wanna stay at a job for more than, you know, a few years, because I think after a while you start kind of to lose your juice. That's another thing I forgot to mention yeah. is term limits. We yeah. somewhat reluctantly, but we came out in, in favor of term limits uh, uh, for that reason alone. You just want to keep the energy going well you wind up being a part of this machine you know mm -hmm. and i think that like new blood is always is exciting and will come in with fresh eyes and i think having term limits are going to be really really important um transparency in enough so that like city council people are talking more to community in a way where like they the people get to judge and also give influence on how to spend money um on what policies are important um, and also, I think, and this kind of idea of co-governance, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if I were to get elected, I have, you know, a coalition now of grassroots organizations that have been supporting me and backing me in this, and they would be a part of the process for me. I can't build anything without the people telling me what they think needs to happen. So, yeah. I could imagine quarterly meetings with community members and constituents on these issues. Yeah. They just don't 
vaporize and go away once you become elected or or if it were to happen that be at your peril yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. all right yeah we're gonna have to wrap uh, erica thanks for joining us here Thank you. and uh, as i said we have a primary election may 21st uh, make make, <laughs> make a plan to vote encourage your friends and your family uh, to make a plan to vote um, if you want to know more about issues and candidates, take a look at our world-class voters guide at 70.org, or you can download our WeVote app uh, onto your phone so you have in the palm of your hand everything you need to be a super voter on election day. So uh, thanks for joining us and see you at the polls. Thank you. Welcome to Studio C70 at the Committee of 70. My name is Patrick Christmas. Uh, and May 21st is election day. Have a huge primary coming up. Judicial offices on the ballot, uh, city offices on the ballot, mayor, city council. Um, big, big election for the city of Philadelphia. Elections are like job interviews. Uh, the candidates are like the job applicants. Voters are like the hiring committee. We do have one of the job applicants with us today. Uh, Benny Black running for city council. Benny Black got your back. <laughs> Benny, welcome to the show. All right, so we only have 15 minutes. I um, want to jump straight into this. First big question is, why are you running? Grew up in Philadelphia, um, union eye worker, father of seven kids. It has always destroyed me to see the decline of so many working class neighborhoods, um, to just see the destruction of families, to see the struggle of kids who are coming from neighborhoods don't have the same opportunities that About Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and and you know, given your your background and work work experience, you know, what do you think will translate best uh, into being a, a city council member over in that building up the street here? So, so what I what I know about is family, and mm -hmm. I know about work. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and those are two of the fundamental things that many of us aspire to. You know, and mm -hmm. a politician is a communicator. Mm -hmm. That's what he is. He is trying to communicate a message. And the politicians, especially right now in our city and our country, is who can bring Philadelphians together mm -hmm. with a sense of we're in this together and shared identity. So as a politician, it is very easy and very tempting to try to rally my side of the tracks in opposition to, let's say, the, the real estate developers mm -hmm. or, um, you know, the way Trump is doing it against immigrants. And the immigrant community can rally themselves against mm -hmm. another part of the population. Mm -hmm. So what is important in Philadelphia and what is crucial is who can bring about a sense of shared identity? Mm -hmm. Who can unite us? Mm -hmm. Who cannot just demonize, but who can bring a message that inspires the different groups of Philadelphia mm -hmm. to a, like a shared vision of mm -hmm. prosperity. Mm -hmm. How would you take that take that on as a, as a council member and, and a public and a public figure? So okay, so Philadelphia for some people it's working. Mm -hmm. I would say Philadelphia is probably working for you, mm -hmm. and in truth, Philadelphia works for me. Uh, mm -hmm. I have a, a job in a union. Mm -hmm. um, I have seven kids. Even though I'm not, you know, a millionaire, I make, I can make almost six figures a year, you know. Mm -hmm. So the problem is for a lot of people, Philadelphia and the economy is utterly failing them. 
And politics to me is really a front for an economic system mm -hmm. which has glorified the profit-making uh, desire to an abnormal degree of, of virtue, mm -hmm. right? What we don't want is, we don't, we're not trying to talk about socialism. We're not trying to talk about uh, getting rid of our capitalist society. What we are trying to talk about is an inclusive economy where people can meaningfully participate it and uh, be able to uh, enjoy these, these minimums of, you know, owning a home, you know, putting food on the table, really, really just them mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. being able to own a home and mm -hmm. put food on the table mm -hmm. is out of reach for probably 25% of the population of Philadelphia, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, the wealth inequality, which the structural forces which are creating that are only getting stronger, right? And when I say structural forces, I'm talking about we got blasted by outsourcing in this city. And when I grew up in Philadelphia, I grew up on Spencer Street, working class neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We were not wealthy and probably 85 to 90% of the parents did not go to college. Mm -hmm. But we, we were, people were able to buy a home. They were able to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they drove around in one car and they probably were able to go down the shore for, for one week, you know? Mm -hmm. And just that level of, of being a financial ability to participate in life, that was all we ever needed. Mm -hmm. Like people weren't dying to get out of my neighborhood and go to Warrington and buy mm -hmm. a $400,000 house. Mm -hmm. we, we had a sense of community. We had, we had functional families. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of pride in where we lived. It was relatively safe. Um, we had everything we ever wanted. Mm -hmm. So the poverty problem isn't like people want tremendous amounts of money. They just want to meaningfully participate in uh, society, economically, mm -hmm. in their families. Mm -hmm. uh, it's within reach. It's, it's not that crazy how far we have to go. It's, mm -hmm. it's owning a home and being able to feed your family. That, that's, yeah. that's what people want. Yeah, and I, I, and I presume because you're running for office, you're running for city council, did you think some things could be done much better in that, in that building up, uh, up the street? What, and and what, what, do you think, what do you think would make City Hall work better? What would, what would make our local dem democracy stronger, you know, our politics more you know, open and, and accessible? Okay. What will make our, our democracy stronger mm -hmm. is what we have failed. Because let's say I'm conservative in some ways. I'm a father of seven. I'm also progressive because I realize that there's an economic foundation to the family. Mm -hmm. So most progressive, there was kind of this deal with the devil made in the late 60s with politics that says, okay, you can, you can outsource and you can globalize, but you need to give us money to uh, make sure that the population who's getting left behind, who doesn't have jobs, they're going to get these social programs that we can make up for the loss of their economic livelihood, you know. So you have you have structural forces of automation uh, hitting the, the working class. You have structural forces of outsourcing, and you have structural forces of unorganized labor. And when I say that is, you know, the power of organized capital to pay as little wages as possible. So, but that deal with the devil of what progressives did. We have to kind of admit failure that in Philadelphia, we are not fixing the poverty problem. It's, it was 25% in 2015, and even though we have a whole bunch of Democrats running the city, now it's 26% in 2019. Mm -hmm. And politicians will talk about fixing the problem, but so he, here's what the problem is. When you, like in the business community, they say, mm -hmm. it's not what you know, it's who you know. And your most, it's your network, right? Mm -hmm. And for poor people, the most important network you have, firstly, is your family, and then it's your community. Mm 
But if your family's dysfunctional, if your father has been incarcerated, if your community's dysfunctional and has been wracked by unemployment and violence, social programs on the government level can't make up for the destruction of those first two networks. So as a progressive, as a person who wants to beat poverty, I feel like we have to start realizing how we have failed poor people, mm -hmm. and we start have to figure out not just how to redistrib redistribute income from the government level back to people, mm -hmm. but to economically empower people so that they can buy a home, you know, so that mm -hmm. they can form families, that we can start pumping money into communities that you have that larger network of even if, if your father's not there, you have a couple guys on the block who are in unions at PGW um, where, you, where you can get uh, good employment opportunities. So we have to concentrate and admit failure that you can't just fix things on the government level. Mm -hmm. So on the one level, I'm saying government has to admit failure, but at the same time, I'm not saying that government has to stop back and just mm -hmm. let the market solve things because mm -hmm. the market's not going to solve things. Mm -hmm. What the market searches for is efficiencies and how to make money in this system. You know, and when you go to work or I go to work for my company, we're not trying to solve the world. We're just trying to do a good job for my company. And usually that means getting, you know, making more money for my company. Mm -hmm. So even though the government has to admit failure, it is going to be upon government officials. Mm -hmm. They are the only force strong enough that can counteract these uh, structural forces of automation, of outsourcing, mm -hmm. you know, like the kind of benefits, the structural forces are benefiting wealth and power and people on the bottom are probably not gonna just be able to organize themselves like they do to form unions like they did back in the day. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't go on strike for more than one or two weeks, you're trapped, you know? Mm -hmm. If you're getting kicked out of your house and you have no savings, you don't have the abilities to really organize on a big level. You, they need help from government. Mm -hmm. So government has to admit its failures with, with tackling the poverty situation, but they also have to realize that the government is extremely important mm -hmm. on starting to strengthen these networks mm -hmm. of families and communities, which are essential, essential for you know, a sense of belonging, a sense of shared purpose, and you know, a sense of uh, neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, as, you know, and, and uh, as far as our government goes, our city government in particular, obviously, like the folks who are in those positions of power, like matter immensely, right? Uh, you know, who, who those folks are, who those folks are, and how they get there. You know, given your experience on the campaign trail so far, and, and what you know about Philly elections, you know, how well does that process work, uh, or, or work not so well? Um, you know, I'm talking about like the money involved. You know, working through the ward system. Um, you know, all all of it. How you end so up? How you end up I, on the when, when I got my uh, when I put up my signatures for when I was circulating my petition, mm -hmm. I went on the subway and uh, by myself, I got mm -hmm. 2,000 signatures talking to people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people I would talk to, they would almost have tears in their eyes and, and they would say, I have so little faith in our elected officials. And these are Democrats and they say they come around here at election time and they say all these good words and nothing changes around the neighborhood. I don't see them after the election. They go into the halls of power, mm -hmm. right? They go down to city hall, they start making $150,000 a year, all kinds of perks, all kinds of uh, agency. You have this real important job, you're getting real paid well. And uh, the problem is so many people get become part of the power structure, they get disconnected 
from the struggle of people who are living in broken homes, single moms who are working for $8 an hour, are stressed out, kids are going to dysfunctional violent schools, fathers aren't in the home, and uh, they just get very disconnected from the struggle, you know? So it is gonna take politicians who kind of rededicate themselves to a, a real sincere desire to help those being left behind, mm -hmm. you know? It, can, mm -hmm. it has to become more than talk and mm -hmm. it has to become action. And I really believe it has to become a movement on a, on a bigger degree mm -hmm. than just electing a guy to office. We, we need a vision that we can get behind, you mm -hmm. know, as, as a city. Yeah, you know, one of the um, uh, you know things that, com that comes up every spring that a lot of folks don't realize, because you, I mean, you're exactly right. That, you know, democracy is it's it's a it's a it's a group project, right? And not just people in power, not just uh, you know certain civic leaders, political leaders, business leaders. It's 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 everybody. You know, all all voters. One of the quirks about Pennsylvania actually is that not all voters can participate in spring primaries. Um, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on that? I mean, should should independent voters be able to cast ballots uh, next next month? Yes, but the the bigger problem that is uh, for people who can participate. Mm -hmm. What's the participation rate in this city? Seventeen mm -hmm. percent, right? Mm -hmm. Not not nearly high enough. That's for, so that's so for sure. so, mm -hmm. so the the democratic process has been so eviscerated, mm -hmm. and I don't think these voters are apathetic because. They're just lazy. Mm -hmm. I think deep in their hearts, mm -hmm. they no longer believe mm -hmm. that the democratic process mm -hmm. functions the way it is supposed to do in the textbooks. Mm -hmm. They believe right. there is all kinds of money pouring into this election, and there are big-time donors who have the ears yeah. of these candidates to a way, way, way more powerful degree than the voters in the street. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, our democracy is very, very sick mm -hmm. where people don't feel that it functions like mm -hmm. it's supposed to. And only out of registered voters, yeah. this primary, a little bit under two out of 10 are gonna vote. Yeah. That's, that's a sick democracy. Yeah, So and we only have a couple more minutes here. So if, so if you could wave like a magic wand and change one thing around like how our democracy currently works, it could be, it could be anything, I mean, higher higher turnout the way our elections work you know anything anything what would what would that thing be, that what would that one thing be i would definitely institute some sort of campaign finance regulations uh -huh. where everyone had the same amount of money mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i would promote uh debates on social media i would equalize the candidate process where money didn't buy access to political office because the reality is that it's the pressure of organized money mm -hmm. that really gets you uh, the access to office nowadays. And we'll, we'll end it there. Betty, thank you. The uh, election's coming up again May 21st. Uh, 70's nonpartisan vote, uh, voter guide is available at ballot.70.org. Uh, also have a, a new app, it's called the We Vote app, down wherever you grab at home. Has all the resources you could possibly need to get ready to vote. Um, and Vinnie Black will be one of the candidates on the ballot. Vinny, thanks for coming in. Vinny Black got your back. Don't forget <laughs> it, May 21st. All righty. All right, see you on Election Day. Thanks for listening to this podcast extra. And as we say in each and every episode of the 20 by 70 podcast, expect more Philadelphia. <laughs>